Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay-Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from the We Will Get Through This podcast. Here's your host, MBS. So I'm sitting there and thinking to myself, okay, there's something really interesting about a podcast around resilience, bringing in expert points of view from different fields, different areas of the world to say, how do you build a more resilient self, a more resilient team, a more resilient organization? And it's true, and you'll see this in the guests, that some of these people have really specific expertise, like one of our guests being helping frontline medical workers in Massachusetts, for instance. But there's one part of my brain that's going, I need somebody who has just made a career out of understanding and promoting and championing resilience. And I went to myself, well, you know, that's handy. Because I know somebody like that, and her name is Dr. Edie Greenblatt. And Edie and I happen to know each other through our connections with Marshall Goldsmith. He, in his gathering of the Marshall Goldsmith 100, had brought together 100 extraordinary people and coaches. And Edie's one of those people. I happen to have somehow squeezed it. I'm not entirely sure how. So let me introduce Edie to you. She is a resilience pioneer a work-life balance expert, as well as a keynote speaker, an entrepreneur, an executive coach, coach supervisor, and she's also the CEO of ExecuCare Coaching and Consulting. She has a master's in psychology and a joint PhD in organizational behavior from the Harvard Business School and Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. And you know, I always love, I love hyphenated people. <laughs> They're like, okay, I'm blending this and that because I think Quite possibly, that's one of the secrets of success and resilience, in fact, which is this kind of blended approach. Uh, Edie spends time in LA, but also Tel Aviv, and her breakthrough work on personal resource management is the award-winning book, Restore Yourself, The Antidote to professional for Professional Exhaustion. And that tool and that book has been really an effective framework to help people become more resilient under difficult circumstances for millions worldwide. So we are going to jump into that and kind of I'm going to ask her more about that and this whole idea of what does it take to build and strengthen your own resilience profile. So as well as her consulting with companies around the world and her contribution to faculty such as UCLA, University of South California, University of Toronto, little shout out here for Canada, Edie has been recognized as the number one global resilience coach by Thinkers50 and the Marshall Goldsmith Organization. And as an aside, and you know, I know I've been a benefit of this, she's also the co-founder of Restoration Vacation, a dance ethno ethnologist, and in her free time flies on a flying trapeze. And honestly, after you finish on a flying trapeze, there's nowhere to go but down, perhaps literally, perhaps metaphorically. So Edie, thank you for being part of this. I'm really excited to have the conversation with you. Thank you so much for the invitation, Michael. I'm delighted to be here. I've admired you and your work since I first became aware of it. Oh, thank and you. Our, and our connections in the Goldsmith 100 have simply made that easier. So thank you for doing this. I think uh, it's a moment when we all need help and um, happy to be part of the solution. How did you, uh, what was the doorway in which you entered into this world of resilience? I mean, for it's, it's a hot topic for us right now, but you've been thinking about it for years. How did you come to this as an important thing to be thinking about? Well, you know, there's the re-choreographed story that you tell when, like, the introductions <laughs> yeah. in your books, and then there's sort of the reality, and mine's sort of a hybrid 
Um, I was a dance anthropologist. I taught dancing for a living. Um, I was not only working as an academic, but I had been teaching dancing at weddings and bar mitzvahs and mm. at community centers, teaching world dance. Um, from the time I was really 12 years old, uh, I was recognized by my early teachers as someone who should be teaching, not just dancing. Right. So in addition to performing, I was taught to be a teacher and um, used dancing to put myself through school. I was at a point when I finished my bachelor's in world arts and cultures and with a pre-med curriculum. I got accepted to medical school and I was invited to be on the, the faculty or join the master's program in dance ethnology at UCLA um, and actually chose dance over med school. Cool. Good choice. But I was always <laughs> interested in wellness and resilience and health. Um, mm -hmm. So I was sort of the practicing medicine diagnosis without a medical license. Um, that was at the exact same time that my mother, who had uh, had some physical problems, had some extraordinarily severe physical problems, and I was actively doing sort of medical research and um, was puzzled and challenged by dealing with resilience broadly at a family level. Right. Um, so as a dance person, I then um, was approached and told that, you know, what you're doing in terms of ethnography and helping build teams through dance is actually OB. And I said, well, no, I don't do OB. I, I don't do obstetrics. I turned down med school. I, <laughs> I, do, I do dancing. And they said, no, you're doing organizational behavior. You yeah, should get a It's PhD. a different OB. <laughs> yeah. You should get a PhD in organizational behavior. And they said, well, I said, look, what I'm really interested in is making people well. I use dance events and looking at the kinds of things that happen to people who engage in certain kinds of activities and see how it makes them well. Um, they said, well, you can study that in a PhD, and I ended up doing that. So I ended up going to Harvard and was interested in how do you help 24-7 workers survive and thrive even when they seem like they're just having fun? Right. Because my work was making people have fun, and we used to, I was involved globally. They used to fly me around the world to run these dance events and be at these dance events where we worked like crazy 24 seven having fun. And the question was, how do you survive that? And so right. I sort of brought that question to the business world and they hadn't thought of it. Yeah. How much of resilience involved? I mean, you know, I'm just thinking this through. And when I think of resilience, so much of my time goes to my head. And I'm a kind of head-based guy. You know, in some ways, I'm an embodiment of that classic piece around my body's just there to carry my head around, which I'm working on. <laughs> but there is part of me that goes, look, resilience is in part a, a mental game. It's like how you frame what's going on. But I have a feeling that you will take resilience back to a, a physical component at least. And I'm just curious to know, does, does resilience start with the body or does it start with the mind? That's a great question. And actually, the terminology is a little bit distracting. So um, my model basically says to be resilient is to have the energy, broadly, broadly defined, and we'll talk about that, to do everything that you need to do. Right. So it's having, and what kind of energy are we talking about? We're talking about physical capacity and energy. We're talking about cognitive capacity and energy, the ability to think. Yeah. Physical energy, we're talking about the ability to stay awake, the ability to walk or run, the ability to move your body, to do the things, to, to regenerate um, 
Mm-hmm. To generate antibodies is a physical activity. Right. So the energy, the idea to have the physical energy capacity, the cognitive ability to think and make decisions, the psychological and emotional, and I mix them because if we get really specific, it, we can get into too much nitty gritty. But yeah. how do you feel to manage how you think and manage how you feel? Yeah. And social and spiritual resilience, the capacity to access the social skills and energy and the opportunities available to you, both from the living world, the virtual world, mm-hmm. and the spiritual world or the less physically manifested world. Right. So when I'm talking about resilience, I'm talking about physical, cognitive, emotional, social, psychological, spiritual, all of those energies. And when you have the capacity to raise those up and to manage them, to keep them at operational levels, then you are resilient. I love it. Is there a place to, because I, I love the, the holisticness of that model to say, you know what, it's about understanding the impact and the power of all, all of those realms as being contributors to that ability to have the energy that you want to have. Do you find that there is a place you start with everybody around thinking this through? I mean, do you start physical because it's like the most present or do you need to go where people are? And some people you start with spiritual or psychological, other people cognitive. How does, what's the doorway in for people? Well, so the approach that I take is called personal resource management. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of two, te- there's a, the primary, there are two tenets that you need to understand to be able to be resilient. One is we have to get really good at identifying what restores and depletes our energy. Right. We have to master that, and then we have to manage it on a moment-by-moment, daily, hourly, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So get really good at knowing what restores and depletes you and manage it. Then there are some mistakes that are common, okay? One of them is that we're not managing social terms. We're not managing vacation. Oh, vacation's restorative. Or commute. Commute's depleting. Right. to manage this, you have to not get stuck in the terminology of what you call something. You need to understand that what restores and depletes us are certain behaviors and or certain conditions. Uh-uh. Physically, let's take, so there's not, where do you start? You start by looking at the behaviors and conditions that affect you either positively or negatively. In fact, the positive ones are are restorers and the negative ones are depleters. Yep, sure. So we can start by looking at, for example, in the conditions we're all living under, start with what's my day like, right? What part of my day has been really difficult? So mm-hmm. Michael, I want to be the guinea pig? Sure. Okay, <laughs> so tell me something that for you has been a challenge, an energetic challenge or something that you've been avoiding or something that's suddenly gotten more difficult in the last week or two. Yeah. So there's, um, there's some, there's paperwork that I need to complete for a a team that I'm lightly connected with. It's, it's kind of finance receipts, expenses, kind of stuff like that. It's been hanging over my head now for three weeks. It's still hanging over my head. It's a pile of paper. I'm looking at it on the floor and honestly my heart sinks a little bit every time I see it. Okay, good. So we could approach this from a coaching perspective, right? You and I could go in and discuss the narratives and we could do that. So we're not going to do that, even though it's actually part. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. 
we're going to take a, a personal resource management approach. And you'll see that that narrative question will pop in there, but we're not sure necessarily if it's in your head or what it's in. So let's, mm -hmm. what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to de deconstruct this situation into the behaviors and conditions necessary to accomplish it and see if we can't make those better and easier. So you're more likely to do it. Okay. Yeah. Love it. So let's start physically. Physically, what are the conditions under which you would have to do this? Indoors, outdoors, you're yeah. hot, you're cold, you're seated, you're standing. What, what? I, I, need a, I need a laptop, I need internet, I need to have a flat desk somewhere that I can put the paperwork on. I'd need um, an hour and I'd need to uh, be able to open up the spreadsheet that they've sent me. Got it. Okay. And um, is, that, is that something that you like to do? Are you, is it better? Do you have to do, have you been doing it indoors? Yeah, I have been and doing it indoors. And how's the light? You know, my, the light's not bad, actually. I've got a couple of tables where I work. They're both by natural light. They're both good seats. They're both desks that are beautiful. So I, <laughs> I'd love to be able to blame the light. Damn the light, okay. but it's not that. Okay, okay. Um, sound. What, what, makes, what would make it more restorative in terms of sound? Yeah, you know, I have some, I do have music that, I've learned has been my great time to get down and get it done music. So I will often put Dire Straits on a circular loop and go, look, play Dire Straits album because that is how I trigger a come on and get this done, Michael. Okay. Um, how much physical exercise have you been getting lately? Um, I have been uh, getting some but perhaps not enough like i did an hour-long workout uh, yesterday morning uh with my you know my gym which is now shut down so we did it virtually i skipped it this morning because i was like i need to get the finance stuff done and then i didn't actually do it good okay good all right so you see what we're doing we're basically looking at the physical conditions yeah. around you yeah. and the physical conditions inside you okay um and we're going to look for the optimal physical conditions for you to do this. Let's go to cognitive. Sure. Okay. And we're, this is a short version of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Cognitively, what's, how much, what's the cognitive load for doing this? You know, it's, um, the cognitive load is not heavy in terms of I have to do a whole lot of thinking about it. It's just boring. Ah, and, perfect. And, and, and it's tedious and I don't care and I feel slightly resentful. <laughs> Maybe yeah, this is okay. getting into the psychological yeah, and emotional yeah, about it. But I'm like, right. <laughs> you know, there's part of me that's like, don't you know who I am? I'm a very important person. I shouldn't be wasting my time filling out expenses, spreadsheets. That's ridiculous. Which, yep. you know, I say that in a self-mocking tone, but the, it's, also, it's true at the same time. It's actually, that's the narrative. You know, the, the, your challenge is a huge challenge for, I've worked with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people live. And yeah. this is, this reimbursements and expensing comes up frequently. <laughs> okay. There we go. It's the exact, okay. So cognitive load, it's boring and tedious. So one of the places where you can try to change the conditions under which you do it is to do something about the cognitive load, right? Can you add some cognitive load so that you, and, and multitasking is rapid task shifting, okay? So I don't always recommend multitasking, but playing music, having something going on visually in the background, something because which will kind of... It, it, there's, there's a way immediately I go, okay, so I need to make this into a game. 
I'm like, okay, because because I'm up for trying to hack the system. So I'm like, okay, how do I hack this? You know, how do I do this in 15 minutes, not an hour? And I'm already like, okay, I'm up for that challenge. Great. Okay. It sounds like a bit of a game now, and I can probably beat this game. So I, I want to. I'm competitive. I'll do that. Good. Okay. So you can use that with time. You can set timers and play games. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Okay. Let's get your. Let's get so um, socially. You have to. You typically do this by yourself. One person, multiple people, in the presence of others. Uh, it's a sad, lonely solo activity. <laughs> Does it have to be? It. Um, it. Uh, doesn't have to be you know i i work for my office and i'm my wife works downstairs i work upstairs i could perhaps go downstairs and work with her i'm not sure it would add much to or or make it much of a difference okay can you do it in the presence of a podcast or a virtual human or a television or something which would shift shift do that. the sense of isolation well, you know, the isolation is not so bad, but there's a lack of accountability that's part of it. So because the people I'm doing this for used to work for me. So there's a kind of weird power thing that plays out here. So part of me is just going, you know, the one person who is fearless with me is my wife. So maybe if I tell her what's going on, I'm like, okay, I just need to sit with you and don't let me get up until I'm done. She would be happily take on that challenge. Super cool. Okay. So let's go to the last one, psychological and emotional. What's the, let's talk about the narratives. What's the story you're telling yourself while you're doing this? Well, there's, there's various stories that are coming through my, my head. Edie. One is, um, you know, this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? The other is I'm letting people down. <laughs> the other is I'm kind of letting myself down here because I pride myself on being respecting people and what i'm what i'm really doing in this act is not not respecting alex and leora the two people who are waiting for this um i'm kind of saying you're not that important and that's that sits pretty badly with me good so what can we do to tweak that narrative what what would you like to what would what's more aligned clearly that narrative is not aligned with your reality what narrative is more aligned with your reality well, yeah, actually, what's, what's useful about this so far, first of all, the, the th- three things so far. One is make it fast. Second, sit down with somebody to, like Marcella, to have her just you know, be present, create accountability through her presence. And thirdly is to you know, almost like pull up a photo of Alex. I go, I'm doing this so Alex can do his job. <laughs> so that is a motivator for me. Um, completing an expensive sheet is not motivating, but helping Alex do his job really is. There you go. Okay. So, so what we've done, this process, thank you very much. That was really well done. Um, so you. what we've done is we've gone through a process by looking at the situation and, and, decoup- and, um, and create, figuring out what are the behaviors and conditions that make this difficult and what can we change. And you've just, you've just summarized what you can do. So you can, the physical conditions you can't really change and they're not having a big impact on you, but you can change the pacing, the cognitive load, the social conditions and the, and the narrative that you're creating by putting up the picture. That's the process. 
Now, is this, you know, before we hit the record button, um, you know, you and I were chatting and you were going, hey, you know, I'm, I'm in this place at the moment. I know how to tweak my own and manage my own resilience profile. And as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, I love the idea of a resilience profile. I want one of those. I don't, okay. I don't have one of those. <laughs> but is, is the resilience profile based on these kind of uh, four or five areas and you kind of just get to know yourself or is it different in some way? Yeah, so you want to get good at understanding, right? So for me, for example, yeah. okay. Um, first of all, you want to know where of, of those categories, which ones are really the most powerful for you, right. in terms of if you don't get enough, are depleting, and if you get enough, are restorative. For example, I swim every morning. Right. Right. I've been swimming every morning since I was a teenager. I swim every morning. The res, the pro the, the profile of my workout is such that I get physical, I get tactile, I get skin. You know, mm -hmm. the water on my skin, I get vestibular stimulation. I move the fluid in my ears when I do flip turns. Uh, there's all, I know the exact sort of conditions, the, all the conditions under what I need. For me, physical and social, I need certain amounts of social interactions. It has to do with my prep. My, I'm an extrovert. I right. have, um, I'm novelty seeking. There are certain characteristics of, that make a big difference. So for me, what really gives me a big boost right, is, is, is the physical conditions around a swimming workout, but it's not just physical, right, because you say hi to lifeguard, right. and you, right, so the conditions around that, and what, if I don't have the social connections that I need, Got it. right, those are the big ones, so my profile, if, if I wanted to look at uh, what I need, cognitive, ah, take it or leave it, right, if I get big cognitive stimulation or not, ah, I'm good, it doesn't matter, yeah. but physical stuff, really big, and certain kinds of physical I need, large range of motion, and uh, I was a dance, and I did dance movement analysis, yeah, right. so I need postural shifts, not gestural shifts, it means I need to move my spine and my head and not just wave my arms, right? Well, that's interesting, because, you know, we, before we hit record, and we had the video on, uh, we turned the video off now to protect bandwidth, but you were, I could see you moving in your seat to kind of find your position to be comfortable around that. Yeah. And my guess is you probably kept moving through this interview as part of that kind of, uh, that those deeper shifts, not just gestural shifts. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I need a lot of physical and I need a lot of social. There are some people, for example, you're, you're, I don't know, I don't know your profile and I, we could talk and we could figure it out. And I have, there's actually an exercise in my book where people can actually start to figure out what their restoration right. profile is. It's called the personal resource management assessment, I think we called it. It's in, in the old days before anybody was even talking about this. <laughs> right. They thought I was crazy. So it does, I think the word energy or resilience appears in the book, right? right? It's called restore yourself. But that's, nice. Yeah, but it um, speaks so, to energy and resilience. Yeah. yeah and I look uh, at my profile, I'm like, well, cognitive for sure. Like I, I am restless without intellectual engagement. And when I have a, an intellectual bone to chew on and a puzzle to solve, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited around that. Yeah. Um, and what, yeah, go ahead. And I, I, I would say the one that's least important to me is probably the um, psychological or emotional one. Um, and that's just, that's also interesting for me because part of the work I'm trying to do in a bigger picture of my life is to go, how do I get a little more aware and more conscious of that? Because it feels that even though that feels less important to me, strengthening my awareness in that space could lead to an, an overall increase in happiness and, and resilience, I would guess. Yeah. So if, 
but but we tend to have profile there are people so there are people I've, i have a very dear friend who's a genius and she her 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 spiritual, her resilience is entirely dependent on spiritual time she spends. Every right. morning she prays and meditates. Every evening she prays and meditates. If she does that, then the likelihood that she will get burnt out, and the likelihood that other things will affect her drops because that for her mm. is the most potent. Okay. Now, it, this doesn't mean that, well, you know, exercise doesn't make me happy, so I don't do it. Okay. This isn't yeah, yeah. that we don't need all of those dimensions. But there are certain things which are sort of super powerful in terms of the impact, the positive impact they have and the depleting impact they have. We just, that's a good start for um, looking at where you can have the most impact and then managing and maintaining the things that you know you need to do. Yeah. Right. So this is really powerful. Edie. I mean, there's this piece around, first of all, understanding how you think about resilience, which is, is it giving you the energy that you need? then understanding that there's ways that that is um, added to and there's ways that that is depleted. And that sense of get a profile of what matters most to you and then manage it, you know, nurture it, and, you know, focus on the stuff that you need that, that contributes to you, avoid the stuff that depletes you so that you can sustain that energy as you go forward. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you mentioned about working out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people will like skip their workout because they have something else to do. Yeah. Right. The question there's there's a very important concept here that we need to that we can talk about um, briefly, which is strategic sequencing. Right. The sequence in which you do things really matters. Okay. That's so if helpful. you have a okay, because just like you know the research, the brain research is showing us we have only so many decisions, you know, that we can make easily during a day and then that part of your brain basically needs to be restored by sleep (laughs) right so actually the act of sleeping helps helps you know reshuffle and 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 you know reset reset everything yeah okay so um you need to make sure that you don't run out of resources before you have a chance to restore for example people who skip meals people who skip you know you say well you know i didn't work out today i'll work out in two days when things calm down well, the problem with doing that is if the workout provides you with restoration, which right. we know it does, we know it, yeah. it may not make you happy, okay? <laughs> let's, not make right. the, let's make the distinction between happiness and restoration. Sure. Happiness makes you happy. You're happy. You are, your right. affect is positive. But, yeah. you know, going on some rip-roaring drinking binge <laughs> may make you happy for a few minutes, but yes. it is depleting physically, cognitively. Sure. Socially, you may get a little boost out of it, but you know net you lose okay yeah so so you want to be sure that you are getting the restoration you need even if you don't feel like it okay so when you come okay so i was feeling bad about skipping the exercise before i'm feeling worse about it now because i could see myself doing it i'm like this is a this isn't this is a domino and it's a it's a domino that's it's an early domino you knock this down and you knock down a bunch of other dominoes yep by skipping it I, I miss knocking down a bunch of dominoes. My whole day is less effective as a result of that. And yet I still fell for it. Damn it. <laughs> Listen, I've been teaching this stuff for 20 years and I fall once in a while, once yeah. in a while, you let it go. However, the most important thing that people can remember now and always is self-care and managing your restoration is a personal responsibility. The most efficient, effective person to take care of you is you. Yeah. Okay. No, if you skip your workout, there is nothing anyone can do to help you 
that's e- they can't right they can't help you yeah and so you're not only you're depleting yourself but you're putting the burden on other people to clean up a depleted you and to try to use all kinds of workarounds when the answer is get your little tushy up and go <laughs> find a way to 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 get the exercise and the vitamins down your throat and the social interaction yeah. via video that you need and take care of yourself first this is not about the oxygen mask because the oxygen mask, you know, they say, put your mask on yeah, first yeah. Okay. because that assumes that an oxygen mask will drop from the overhead compartment to tell you it's time to breathe. Right. Okay. This is, I learned this from my new puppy. My new puppy wakes up and he's barking that he has to go out. And my job is that I have to pee first. Right. Okay. And it's not because an oxygen mask dropped from the ceiling. I have to wake up and know that this is what I have to do. And nobody, nothing's going to drop from the ceiling. So you have to take care of yourself first because this is the most generous, kind, responsible leadership act you can take. I love that. On that note, I feel like I need to wrap this podcast off and go off and do a quick burst of exercise to get my, get my tush back in the game. Um, Edie, this has been amazing. Thank you. For people who are looking to find out more about you, your work, your book, how you show up in the world, where can you point them to? So um, I'm really good at doing the work and my media is not ideal, but you can uh, follow me on Facebook at, Ask, at Dr. Edie. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Edie Greenblatt. Um, my website's at ediegreenblatt.com. Perfect. You can f- just look for Dr. Edie, D-R-E-D-Y, or Ask Dr. Edie, that works. Um, and, uh, the book is called restore yourself. I apologize. It is not, um, it is not available as an ebook or audio, but, uh, we're going to work on that in the meantime. If you need something, write to me. We're offering some free resilience coaching and we're also offering some, uh, coach supervision for coaches who need help. And that's complimentary these days. So reach out to me and let me know how I can help you get through this. Thank you, Edie. We'll put that all of that in the show notes so people can access the work. But this has been a really powerful section for me, so I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.